Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the second uh, episode of the McLennan County Democratic Party uh, podcast. We're here talking with Tracy Fisher, who is running for the State Board of Education uh, spot for District 14. That covers McLennan County. And she's going to tell us a little bit. Used to, in the old days, back when I was a, a young gun, you know, running around trying to change the world, I thought, you know, I want to run for state board because nobody runs for state board. You can win with a thousand votes because nobody cares. I mean, it was the cheapest race in the whole state of Texas to run. State Board of Education, nobody cared for years, for years. It was it was easy in, easy out as far as uh, financing. How has that changed in your view since uh, since my, my youth? <laughs> well, um, I would say up until about Last election cycle, it was like that still. Right, I think, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just really been this current election cycle. Um, I think more people, the focus has been on education, uh, mm -hmm. more so during COVID, which um, has definitely impacted, well, it's impacted everybody's lives, not just yeah. education. But when our kids are impacted, um, that's huge. And yeah. so uh, right now I know that um, my uh, in the primaries, the incumbent, two incumbents in particular, were swept away by, they were primaried in their, in their races. These were incumbents who didn't do that bad of a job, um, probably needed to do things differently. Uh, one of the things that the state board does is they recruit educators to sit on uh, panels to work on redoing curriculum. Um, and so I don't know that they were making great choices about who they pulled in or that they were really reflecting the things that um, were moving our kids forward in time. But the politics have gotten so much of late with this CRT book banning uh, Parents' Bill of Rights. You know, it's so funny about the Parent Bill of Rights. When I was a parent um, in 1995, I remember I had rights, and they passed in the 1995 legislative yeah. session. In fact, the Parents' Bill of Rights are have been codified in the law. Uh, it's Tex Texas Education Code 26 in the TEA, um, you know, in, in the Texas education system. We already have all these rights that they're proposing that we're going to give our parents, our poor parents mm -hmm. who don't have rights in their schools. We have the right to say, hey, I don't want my child to read a certain book at school. But but as a parent, you don't have the right to say that all the kids can't read that book. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that is not, that's not a right. I have a right as a parent. I had the right if my kid was eating in the cafeteria to make sure that I capped the number of sweets that my kid, and I had one of those kids that would eat sweets only for lunch so he could have one sweet. 
Um, and that was my right as a parent. I, when I was a kindergarten parent, I scheduled 10 hours of parent volunteer time in my kids' classroom as a as a uh, room mom, um, that was really important. So that yeah. that's where my education kind of began in public ed. Um, although I did get involved when my kids were three before they started kindergarten um, on the site-based team at okay. the, the campus yeah. that they were going to start as I a community member. So I wanted to know if public education had changed a whole lot since I had been in school. And that was back, well, that was a long time ago. But, um, but the time I'm talking about now is before you know, iPhones before 9-11, you know, all of that. And so um, what I found was school was pretty much running like it had run, although there we were, we were um, engaging kids better in school, I felt, um, especially as they got into secondary and into fine arts programs and things like that. Um, but we had a whole state system of testing, and that testing system really – made me mad as a young parent watching first graders test prep for a yeah. third grade, you know, toss tests or whatever. And, and, and that's been going on for more than 25 years now. I mean, I just kept thinking, when is this going away? Because it's really ridiculous. There's so much research out there about what a star test does. It force ranks kids from the bottom to the top. It talks about, it, it really reflects poverty. And, and we don't need to spend that many millions of dollars of Texas public school funds a year to determine the poverty in our communities. We know where there's poverty in our communities. So we need to use that money to help rethink the way we teach kids. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question no, about the I, politics. It, now, now it costs a lot more money to run. I, I don't know what it's going to cost. This is right. There's a lot of outside influence. Um, uh, there are charter packs, school industry charter, has come in. Yes, charter schools um, are really financing some of these candidates because they've noticed that some of the state board has actually not been approving charters because mm -hmm. they've seen the data. They know that charters were supposed to be innovative, and these charters are kind of copycat, duplicative public school systems without all the great stuff that the public schools okay. do, yeah. robotics and, um, you, know, uh, you know, fine arts and these developed programs that kids are really uh, excited to learn about, and technology, for that matter. They've got to be prepared for their world. They need to understand. Yeah. Uh, when I was a young mother uh, with my kids, the big thing we talked about were tuition vouchers where you would give people uh, a sum of money to go out and sort of make that choice and purchase that education for your child. Uh, but then you would look at that voucher and you'd look at the cost of uniforms and the cost of books and the cost of transportation. There's no free lunch, you know, or there's no uh, a lunch, lunch uh, capability there at the school. And you would discover that that voucher was just a portion of what, uh, what needed to happen to make that child successful. And and no, the it all boils down to me that the only thing that makes a school successful is that person, that teacher in the classroom, is that teacher in the classroom supported? Do they have the technology they need? Do they have the uh, well, just the things that a teacher needs to do well? Yeah, and that the, and that the kids need. And and if you can figure that one out, I think you've got a lot of problems solved. And so many of the charter schools. I don't know whether you know. Uh, how far you go back with this, but, you know, we had some scoundrels involved in the charter movement in Texas that essentially took taxpayer dollars and left town with them. Yeah, and um, currently we have, I think there are four states that have charter management companies that have moved into Texas 
um, Arizona, Florida, Virginia, and now just this past summer, I was at the State Board of Education um, meeting um, testifying against um, these charters, and one of them is now they voted, approved it on a bipartisan basis to approve a, a California-based charter company. So now our taxpayers are going to California uh, to support them. And we know that these, um, a lot, yeah. Can yeah. I see their books? Yeah, no, you can't see their books. They're not oh. public knowledge. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, they, they aren't going to be, um, you know, they're not putting the money into the classroom like we right. do in public ISDs more than, you know, I mean, 80% of our budget is in salaries and, and most of that is in the classroom. Right. In charter schools, they're paying a great deal less per, per, per in the classroom than we are in our public ISDs. And, and that's a real problem because these charter school teachers leave quickly. They don't get that professional development that we provide our public ISD uh, yeah. teachers. Um, they don't make the money that our public school teachers make because nice. we prioritize yeah. the classroom in our public schools. Um, and so... There are a lot of, um, there's a lot of concern about this supposedly innovative system not necessarily standing up. I mean, they do have their testing performance is listed on the TEA website. You can mm-hmm. look at that. Okay. Um, the most, there are a lot more DNF charters than there are public ISD DNF okay. schools. Right. There are a lot more A and B schools in, D, uh, in ISDs than there are right. charters. Um, there are some good charters in Texas, but right now, because of the um, just the you know, it's a gold rush right into Texas for these charters. I wonder how Kip feels about this. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, anyway, it's it's just been a real uh, frustrating time because what those charter dollars do, which by the way, they get eleven hundred and fifty dollars more on average per student than a public ISD would receive uh, on average. They get the mid school allotment which mm-hmm. is, you know, mid and um, mid schools, smaller schools need more money because they don't right. have the economies of scale, scale. And, yeah. and that kind of thing, which makes sense, but not for a charter school that's sitting next to a school district or in a school district that gets the basic allotment, $1,100 mm-hmm. less, yeah. right? So it's it's real interesting, but these these charter schools that are moving in, um, you know, they're moving in, they, they started off as innovative places for Kids of color in mm-hmm. urban areas. That's kind of yeah. what to, to solve the world there. And it, it sounds like a wonderful thing, but they have not done that. Um, right. Most have not done that. And so what they're doing now is they're clo- many of them are closing down those urban schools and moving to suburbs. Suburbs in A and B districts who already are doing a great job, now we're playing, paying extra money for charters mm-hmm. to move in and, and um, recruit kids out of our private pre-Ks when they haven't even been in our schools to know that how great they are. They, it could be. But then those kids are coming back to us um, in fourth and fifth grade behind, mm-hmm. and we're having to catch them up along with what we're doing with the rest of our kids that are already on. Back to that business of being able to look at the books, how is it fiscally conservative to, to give companies money uh, to perform a certain task? And then not have any kind of oversight on how how are you spending that money? That, it's not at all. 
and and I am a fiscally conservative person. I've managed a $165 million uh, school budget for 10 years now, serving as a current school board member in North Texas. And I would tell you that we are very much transparent about the way we spend our money. We are very responsible. Um, we have high Fitch, and Fitch ratings, um, you know, the yeah. highest that you can get. Um, and our taxpayers can look at that anytime they want. There's 10 years worth of data on the website. They can go and see that information, and we regularly yeah. communicate that. A charter school, their board may be located out of state. It may be in a different town. You know, the parents in that school can't even access that. No, and certainly the taxpayers can't see necessarily yeah. what's going on inside a charter school. And that's why these, uh, these conversations are so important, because education is the biggest piece of the pie in Texas in terms of dollars. Yep. It's, and, if, and if you're looking for a place to make money, you're going to hit our schools. But our schools, once again, are that foundation of who we are as a people. So we have, and, and, and we're working with kids that can't vote. You know, they, they don't have any say in what we're going to be doing. Uh, so it seems to me that we need to really spend some time delving into these issues and making sure that we have the very best and very, you know, qualified people uh, on the state board, because besides that, you know, we haven't even mentioned textbooks yet. Textbook adoption. Right. When the, the Thomas state Jefferson was a socialist, <laughs> he was quoting Thessalonians, for God's sakes. <laughs> a man works, he doesn't eat. It's like, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's it's tough. Uh, the, the, many, the many battles we fight uh, for our kids uh, in uh, state education uh, and uh, in the government school, as they like to say. Right. Well, I, I would just tell you that, um, you know, we had COVID and now we're post-COVID um, and the world's a different place and it will always be different than it was pre-COVID. Uh, we've got kids that are behind, but, you know, it's unfinished learning for them. It's not lost learning. These yeah, kids, these kids are so resilient. They're, they're going to do great. We got to get them back up to grade level reading. Reading is so important for these little ones. They've got to know how to read and we're spending a lot of time in our schools right now mm -hmm. getting these kids caught up as much as, as quickly as possible, but it's going to take some time. Right. You can't, I mean, right now the state standards are written so that a teacher can't teach a year's worth of standards in a year anyway, anyway. right? right. No. And so now we're expecting them to teach, you know, catch kids up to two years. So now they're teaching the grade they're in and the last two years, you know, they're teaching, um, you know, they're trying to teach more and more things to a kid and cram them into their head. They can't. Nobody can do that. It is, it is stressing kids out. Behavior in schools um, has really declined. Um, you know, these kids weren't with their friends, you know, for some time. They, they kind of, it's not that they've forgotten how to, they've been around their families, right? We're different when we're with our families. <laughs> when you go to school, one of the things that you learn is in kindergarten, right, is you learn that you can't push people down, that you have to share, you know, that you can't, um, you know, that you can't say mean things to somebody, yeah. that, that you need to be kind. Those are the things that you learn in kindergarten well, and then it's reinforced as you go along. Well, you know, I had a grandson in our schools in kindergarten. Yeah. It was, it was very difficult. And um, for the parents, it was difficult for the teachers. I mean, yeah. it has been such a, a stress, and we're losing teachers. Teacher loss is the biggest Dem Absolutely. democratic concern that we have in our country right now. Absolutely. The teachers are running out the door. Well, and, and, and I, I know many of these teachers that ran out the door. And, and it's just pathetic because 
they didn't run out the door because they were tired. Well, they, maybe they were tired physically. But the, the enormity of what they need to do and want to do and know they have to do, put together with constraints that are put together by a group of people that don't understand, is mind-numbing. And it gets to the point where you just, you you, you know, people start losing their hair. They start having sleep problems. Uh, it is, it's literally gotten to that point for several people uh, here in our area that I've visited with. But, uh, you know, th- what a wonderful time to sort of reinvent education. Right, right. I, I just think it would be an exciting time to have some new faces and some new ideas at the state board. Uh, that not necessarily new ideas, but ideas that we know work. Right, right. Uh, with looking back at uh, maybe maybe asking teachers what might work. Well, Wouldn't that th- be grand? Th- no doubt about it. Um, you know, COVID at first... I actually thought, because, you know, I met, um, I had a monthly meeting with Marath uh, throughout, Mike Marath, our commissioner, throughout mm-hmm. the COVID, and I at first thought, with other school board trustees yeah. from across the state, I first thought that he actually was going to do something different, because they said no star test this year. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, well, good, that's a first step. The door. Thank the Lord. <laughs> yes. But... But unfortunately, what happened was, and, and I'm sure it's political pressure, you know, the, the commissioner is appointed by one individual, and that's the governor. And the governor was under a lot of pressure in his primary and from really extreme, you know, folks. Um, and they doubled down on those star tests now. In fact, now this year, if you, if you know, Mike has always said, Marath has always said, you know, a parent can decide they can opt their kid out of right. a star test, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that sounds like it's parent rights. Well, what's happened now is for this year's STAR, the parent, you can opt your kid out, but any child that does not take their STAR test will have automatic tutoring of 30 hours mm-hmm. per course subject that they don't, that they're not tested in. So automatic tutoring if you don't take the test. And, and th- that's not why, that's not why, Parents opt their kids out of star tests. They know that this evaluates their poverty level. Um, they know it doesn't reflect actual learning. You know, our classroom teachers know if these kids are learning already because right. we have systems in place to make sure we yeah. know we're on track. And I'm sure that they put together a wonderful tutoring program to cover that 30 hours. It would be meaningful for each child developed, you know. <laughs> It's well, a fairy tale. Yeah, it's a it, fairy tale. There's no way you can, you know, you can't get a year's worth of standards in a year. No. Y- you can't get two and a half years of standards in a kid's head in a, in a so year. So how, how, besides electing you, how do we do this? We as citizens, how do we, how do we ma- help this, how, how do we help you make this happen? Well, um, you know, for all of us to get engaged and involved locally, quite frankly, at your local mm-hmm. school board, School board members, the people you're electing to school board, need to know um, how you feel. feel. And they need to know that they need to advocate for you. And, um, you know, keep in mind, look, parents are critical to our school system. We have got to have parents involved in our schools, and that's another part of the problem we have right now. They've been out of our classrooms for a couple of years. Parents matter so much. And when parents are involved, like I was involved as a parent, I learned a lot, a lot more than I probably, you know, well, I, that I ever could have learned if I, ha- you know, if I hadn't been involved. And so um, it's really important for you to let your local fo- folks know, expect and vote for local folks that are going to advocate for your, your kids across the board. Um, I would, um, 
I would, you know, listen to your state reps, listen to your state senator candidates, make sure that they are supporting public education. There's a great Facebook group yeah. called Texans for Public Education. I think it's a number four. Texans for we'll Public Education. There are almost 35,000 people on that Facebook page, and they are parents, they are teachers, they are um, community members that are passionate about public schools. They will rate every single statewide race. They will rate the education unfriendly, neutral, and friendly candidates. You need to be voting for state reps and state senators and state leaders that are friendly, friendly for public education. And if you can imagine in the state board of education role, there are a lot of unfriendlies to public education. Why would you vote for anybody to serve on a board that would be unfriendly towards that organization? There is dark money out there. There's obvious money out there pushing a voucher scheme, trying mm -hmm. to privatize our public schools, and who that's going to hurt the most are the rural school districts. Yeah, because you will not have those options. Um, they want lots of kids, and they, um, you know, they, you know, they view kids as commodities. And um, so, anyway, so, so if you um, if you want to go and look at my website, you can read more about me, and it's Tracy Fisher for F O R Texas.com. And then I also, I have a phone number and I'd love to give it out to, to the listeners because I think it's important to have a conversation, right? It's easy to sit behind a screen and throw darts and, you know, say things and hear things and, yeah. but it, but you really don't understand what you're doing unless you can have a conversation and that's what we need. So my phone number is 940-222-2152. Again, 940-222-2152. My state board of education race is 19 counties. Um, three of those are partial counties. One of the full counties is McLennan County. McLennan County is very important to my race. There are people here in McLennan County I know that value public education. I know they do because I've seen the great work that's gone on here in Midway and in, in Waco ISD for kids all kids because all kids the matter. It's it, right. It's the it's you know it's the great equalizer, right? Oh, yeah. If we want to have a society of, of people that can function and work and um, are prepared to do a great job, we need to um, we need to elect people um, who are going to help help make that happen. And um, I'm just really passionate about this. I, I come from a great school district where I serve now, and I want all of our school districts to have those great opportunities for kids. Um, they, they, kids come to school to, you know, they come, we want them to come to school to learn to be better citizens. Uh, we want them to come to school engaged. Uh, I've told the commissioner before the best way to tell if a kid is, is doing well in a school is to watch. Does he run in as fast as he runs out of school? Oh, that's good. And, and it is a real easy thing to see. That and sounds you, like a poster. Yeah, well, well exactly. It, <laughs> yeah. it, you, you can tell the difference in a classroom and, and oh. what's going on. And things like fine arts, um, athletics. You know, we love our Friday night lights. Uh, let's, let's keep those lights on. Yeah. Let's invest. And our state, our state has got to fund public education. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of paying increased property taxes every single year when the state isn't paying their fair share. 
Right now, I think it's back up to 40%. They're mm. only paying for 40%, and the yeah. taxpayers are paying the rest of that. And and that's just wrong. As, and, and, and on such a, a poignant note, we can stop this conversation today because that's exactly what all of our taxpayers in McLennan County are looking at, are these exorbitant uh, appraisals on their property, uh, and there's no relief in sight, and, and there's got to be an answer somewhere. And... Uh, yeah, and and you're gonna you're gonna be part of that solution. We want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions as to how we can make this better, uh, please call the office 301-7648, area code two five four, or you can call me on my cell phone once I get it fixed, two five four seven two two eight nine four zero. And of course, I'll probably think you're somebody from. That place that wants to sell me insurance on my car or uh, my, my warranty's run out. That's it. That's it. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening today. And what a wonderful way to kick off a campaign uh, here in uh, 2022. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so Trace, much. for being here. Thank you, Aaron. 